Hey everyone, today's episode is going to be very different from our normal format. Because of the murder of George Floyd and the protests and everything else happening in this country, Rick and I don't really have our minds on work right now. Recording a normal episode about random business topics wouldn't have been appropriate. Instead, we decided to have a conversation that I think a lot of people are having or at least should be having right now. We're both straight white men from upper middle class families. We've been sheltered from the impact of racism, police brutality, and other forms of bigotry our whole lives. And even though we haven't actively supported racism, we have benefited from it. It's time for people like us to have conversations to figure out what we're going to do about it. Originally, this was just meant to be a conversation between the two of us and hopefully help us both grow and learn. I was against the idea of publishing our conversation for two reasons. One, neither of us are particularly knowledgeable on this topic, and I was worried about pushing out something ignorant and incorrect into the world. Two, I believe that right now is a time for us to listen to black voices, and having two white men have a conversation about racism seems tone deaf. But ultimately, we did decide to publish it. I want to be clear, it's not because we think we're experts who have some kind of brilliant insights to share with the world. Instead, it's to set an example. Um, We're publishing this because we both think it's important for privileged people like us to have these conversations and to hold ourselves accountable. It can be awkward and uncomfortable to talk about these topics, but it needs to happen. If you're listening to this and you've been afraid to talk openly and honestly about racism with your friends and family, I hope this gives you an extra push towards doing it. Okay, here's our conversation. So Tyler, this is going to be a little bit of a different conversation. There's a lot going on in the world, and I think both of us agree that if we were to talk about our startups today, it would be um, to- a little bit tone deaf, and so we're not going to do that. Um, I have a couple topics that I want to talk to you about. They're controversial, um, but one thing I want to say before we start talking about this is I'm coming at this from good intention. My, I'm not coming at this um, from a pig-headedness, from a obstinate place. Um, I am going to say some things that may be perceived as ignorant today. It is not my intention to do so in, in a way that you should not challenge me or others should not challenge me. It's simply, uh, you know, a, I, I find sometimes saying something that is wrong um, that might be right is one of the most efficient ways to get corrected on something. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to, I just want you to know as I'm approaching this conversation that this is coming from a place of, of, of interest and curiosity of how we can improve the things going on today. Yeah. Great. I, I feel the exact same way. And I guess the, the other disclaimer I should probably give is, a, a huge amount of my understanding of issues around, you know, race and equity and politics and all these things is has been informed. I've changed a lot over the last ten years, largely because of the employees at Lesson Learning CRM. It was never really my intention, but because we hired a bunch of recent college grads, and you know, the younger people are the, generally the more progressive they are, and stuff like that. Um, we happened to hire a lot of theater majors, a lot of. LGBTQ people, and they've shifted my mentality quite a bit about this. So there are a lot of things that I think I view now as like, everyone should know this, but I only, I didn't know it 10 years ago. And I only know it because, uh, you know, the people I work with have kind of taught me that over the last few years. That's great. And I'm, I, I can't point to specifics like you can on why, but I would say that even in the last two weeks, I think I've gone through some, uh, perspective changing. Um, and I maybe I can't really point to the exact nature of those changes. I just know something's changed in me. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, if that pulls out, maybe we could pull that out in this conversation, but, uh, yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm hoping that I, I leave this conversation with more perspective changing, um, or at least a, a path towards that. Cause I know that I'm not, I know I don't get it. Yeah, probably neither. I mean, neither of us really can probably, mm-hmm. <laughs> but all right, I guess let's dive in. <laughs> where do you where do you want to start? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I don't even know what the exact purpose of talking about this is, aside from just like one thing I see time and time again. Like, if if you're on Twitter or whatever, that that's my primary way of getting this stuff. But one thing you see if you follow black people who are telling white people, "Here's what you can do to help me," basically. 
one of the things uh, there's a lot of stuff it's read more educate yourself more but one of them is like talk to other white people and like you guys need to figure out what's going on in your side of this um it's not even necessarily clear what to talk about but i feel like this is an opportunity for you and i to to do that yeah i i think that that's great so a couple of areas that we could dive into. One is, I think um, there's a larger issue of, I think, leadership at the highest levels um, of countries um, and of businesses in the world, and the the you know how that's going right now, and you know, whether that's okay and whether it's not. Um, so, leader, just let's call it leadership in a human leadership of the human race. Um, one topic is um, the sort of the the police. Uh, you know, police brutality, trust in police in the United States. Another is the Black Lives Matter um, movement. Uh, another that I can that 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 I'm interested in, but I'm very ignorant on, is the 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 sort of uh, hijacking of peaceful protests for different pur- you know different purposes of the protest organizers. Um, I'm very ignorant there, but I'm I'm stunned at some of the things I'm reading and seeing. Um, those are four that come to mind. Would you add anything? Let's start there, and I, I'm sure we'll ramble all over the place here. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have never... So I'll start... I want to start on the leadership thing because it's probably the thing I'm most upset about right now. Um, I, I am not someone who has... I can't think of a time, I don't want to say I've never been, but I can't really think of a time in my life where I've been outspoken politically um, about who should be elected you know, for any particular reason. You know, I've, I've definitely like chimed in on policy uh, from a political standpoint in terms of I like this presidential candidate or I like this candidate because they support this policy related to my business, um, related to what I think is right. Um, but I've never been like morally in favor or opposed to a candidate for government leadership. And I, something happened in the last couple of weeks where I just feel that if I, I feel compelled to talk to as many people who are, <laughs> supportive of Trump for whatever reason. Um, and suggest, help them see that model model, the, the leadership that is being modeled for Americans and the world right now is more destructive than any sort of policy improvements. He might, influence in his time in office. And I, uh, I don't know how best to do that, but I know that now if I'm talking to someone about politics, I have a strong, um, opinion that Trump is not good as a leader for this country. (laughs) And he's not good as a leader in the larger global human race. And I uh, did not f- feel, I, I didn't have an opinion like this before this most recent uh, George Floyd, I believe I'm saying that yeah. correctly. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't said his name out loud um, because I've been, t- it's primarily via, you know, digital yeah. means. Um, and that, that's, that's changed as a result of this for me. That's interesting. Uh- you said a. I kind of, as you were talking, I had a handful of different like kind of roads I want to go down related to that. One is, I don't think you and I have been exactly the same on this, but both, what, regardless of what we thought, like, do we strongly support one political candidate or another? I think it's almost certainly true. Neither of us have really been affected. Like one reason either of us could say, I don't care, you know, is it John McCain or Barack Obama is what's going to change is what tax rate you pay. Pretty much, right? What like if we go to war, does that affect you? Probably not. If we, uh, you know, if gay people can get married, it, I mean, it affects you and friends and stuff like that, but it doesn't prevent you from getting married, right? Um, I'm curious if you think so. So, first of all, we should say like 
being apathetic about politics is a privilege of people who aren't aren't affected by the decisions being made. I'm curious, do you think you care more now because you are suddenly feeling like this affects you? Or is it just like empathy for other people is on overdrive where it's like other people are so negatively affected that it, you can't not care about it now? Yeah, I, I guess um, historically, that's a really good question. I think historically, I have felt like the impact of the presidential candidate isn't big enough to 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 hurt too many people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this I feel is hurting people already, and it's only going. I only feel it has the potential to get way worse. Um, and so, yeah, I, I can't say that it's just. Yeah, maybe it is. I, I have. I have. I, maybe it is because I feel threatened personally. But it's. It's. I think it's. It. Thre- I, I feel like it's going to make people worse. And that's, yeah, I guess that's really scary to me. Okay. That that mirrors my own experiences quite a bit because I would say I was very, very apathetic when I was, say, 25. I'm 35 now, so 10 years ago. Um, and I kind of had the attitude where I think I landed on the same side of any political issue. I felt the same way I do now, which is like when I was 25, I was like, gay people should be able to get married. But I also was like, I don't care. You know, I was like, it's... I'll vote for the candidate that wants to do that, but also I'm not, I don't feel like it's my responsibility to make anything happen there or racial justice or whatever else. Um, And I think the big difference over the last 10 years is people around me, like I mentioned, people I work with and other people like that have kind of forced me to feel like it's my responsibility more than I did 10 years ago, which is a good, I've felt very positive personally about that transformation. Do you feel like this could be a, like, like right now we're in a unique moment in time and hopefully five years from now, we're not in this moment anymore. Do you feel like this is going to last for you? Yeah, I do actually, because it's already affecting how I'm looking at the governor, governor primary race here in Utah. And there's absolutely like, we have two really strong leading candidates, John Huntsman who ran for president Mm -hmm. um, and the Lieutenant governor, Spencer Cox. Like is John flip, Huntsman the current governor? Because he was governor when I lived in Utah. He, right? he was most recently, um, the I believe, the ambassador in Moscow. Okay. Um, but but because uh, I think he accepted, I don't know if it was Obama appointment or a Trump appointment, but he's back now. He's left that post, and he's running. Uh, the The lieutenant governor is running. The existing governor is has endorsed the lieutenant governor. Um, but and sorry, these are primary. Is it like it'll be a Republican and they're both Republicans, or is this a Democrat? This is primary. So Utah is is in Utah. If you're not, um, <laughs> even if you're like, let, let's just say you are a Democrat, uh, you run as a Republican, and you you vote as a Republican <laughs> because <laughs> the primary the, the 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 primary is where you know you have a voice. Yeah. Um, and so the same way here in the in the city of St. Louis. The Democratic primary is the only thing that matters. And our current mayor is basically a Republican, but she ran as a Democrat. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. There you go. So um, it uh, so so. But, you know, if I, I've looked at both candidates, I've they both have a long track record. I I am not going to be upset if either of them gets elected, mm-hmm. but I feel compelled to choose between them. And I haven't felt that way before. So there's something there that will, I think, have a lasting effect. Um sort of, to, I think, with a goal of preventing something like this in the future. But yeah, um, I'm much, I would say that it's at a level that's much more calm and less fear-based um, than, I'm like, I'm worried that if, let's just say, someone other than Trump wins the election, that Trump is going to protest the transfer of power and yeah. with with rhetoric that, that, um, that is... I, I can't. I, it's always surprising his rhetoric. So I just can't even imagine what what he would say or do if you know the, the he feels or decides that the election is you know rigged of, in some way. And I don't. I've never had to worry about a peaceful transition of power in the U.S. in my lifetime. Yeah, um, I I had a kind of. I was having a drunken debate with my friend Steve, who's a political science professor about this. This is a couple of years ago. This wasn't even recent, but I was just like, if if Trump loses, like, what if he says he won't leave? And Steve's like, well, there's all kinds of laws about that. Don't worry about it. And I was like, but who, 
what if he ignores the laws? Who's going to, who's, who enforces the laws in this case? And he was like, well, th- oh yeah, the executive branch, <laughs> the branch he controls. Um, like, like would the military actually step in and enforce them out? Uh, it's not clear that they would at this point. I, I have, I think what's probably scaring me even more right now is the lack. I can't believe Republicans aren't that are in Washington right now aren't you know saying hey I denounce this leadership this is not okay or hey this is wrong yeah we, we're better no but, but they're actually they're not even like being silent many of them are say are 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 stepping up and justifying this type of leadership and I I just can't believe it honestly yeah and I so I've been pretty strongly in the democratic camp. I don't even love the democratic party either, but like if I have to pick between the two, I've picked Democrats for a long time. But when it was versus McCain or versus Mitt Romney, I was always kind of like, these are two similar parties with differing opinions. And I'm going to pick the one whose opinion I I like better or worse. Now I feel like it's, it's much closer to an evil versus, I'm not going to say good versus evil, but like a neutral versus evil. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I'm not going to call the Democrats like this knight in shining armor, but it, it really doesn't feel like too parties acting in good faith with each other it, it's one seems like they're acting in bad faith yeah and i don't i don't understand why no one in the republican party is stepping up and saying we need to put forth a, an, a, an alternate candidate in 2020 so let's dive into that though like why why is it is it so let, let me just run through things i've heard like because i've seen this on twitter people being like what the fuck is going on one is it's just pure Trump's Trump controls the base and I'm just interested in staying in my position and that's all it is. One is that a huge number of these people have committed things that would be crimes if they came to light, like whether it's, you know, during Trump's campaign, a lot of his people committed crimes and a lot of other Republicans were involved. Like, is someone blackmailing them? How many of them have influence from people like Putin? Like when people say this, I'm like, that sounds like a ridiculous conspiracy theory, but then it's also like 10 years ago, a lot of these people seemed like reasonable human beings, and now they're not. Like, what what changed? Yeah, I, I, self-interest is the generally the thing I go to, and I just, I don't know if it's self-interest driven out of fear, self-interest um, driven out of greed, self-interest driven out of what they believe is right. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't, I don't know. I, I just can't believe it. I just, I don't know. Because it would be so easy for them to end Trump's reign. Like they may not be able to win with a different candidate because Trump controls enough of the base that it would it'd probably split the party temporarily. But they could split it enough to be like Trump will not win, and Joe Biden, who might as well be a Republican anyway, would win. Like, why aren't they doing that? That's that's the question, right? Like, why aren't they sabotaging Trump's reelection campaign? And at some point, like, if they don't do that, I'm. That's scary. I, I don't understand how they can't do that. So, and this is not politics. I want to be very clear. I am not saying I'm Republican. I, I'm not Republican. I'm not saying I'm not Democratic. I, I'm talking about purely just leadership and mm-hmm. you know moral code and right. Well, and how other countries look at us too. Like oh, uh, yeah. America has lost a lot of its position in the world over the last few years. Mm-hmm. So that's that topic for me. Um, I don't know. Do you have any suggestions on? Is there anything I need to be doing other than what I'm doing, which is clarifying my own opinion on this and then having what I would call reasonable, like I'm not interested in getting emotional about this with anyone or trying to talk someone out of a strong belief that they have. But I, I will like, if, if this comes up in conversation with someone, I will challenge their viewpoint um, that Mm -hmm. this, you know, on a leadership basis, I'm not going to talk, the details of the policy. This has nothing to do with policy for me. This is basic human leadership. Like who's the king of the monkey kingdom? Like th- th- this is like this, we need, this is not okay. Not, not because we don't, we can eat or we can't eat, but because this is wrong. Yeah. I don't know. I guess uh, I'm somewhat uh, hopeful based on this conversation that not that you were ever like, you know, waving the Trump flag necessarily, but you were the least you were, of in the top three people I know closest aligned to Trump, which shows how much of a bubble I'm in. Everyone I know hates, hates, hates Trump. And I know you and two other people who don't hate or previous to this, I think didn't hate him. 
um, tolerated, tolerated, or, or, yeah, whether it's somewhere between apathy. I know like one person who actually supported him. Um, I shouldn't say, I mean, extended family, I know a bunch, but like, mm-hmm. I'm encouraged that your mindset has changed. And I guess the only thing I would say is maybe that like time and time again, people in my position on the more progressive side have been like, this has to be the last straw. This has to be the thing where people change their minds and it's never happened. And the fact that it happened for you here makes me wonder, is this going to happen for a lot of people right now? And if so, this might be a, I, I get what you're saying. You don't want to go out and like bang the drum, but having that conversation, sit down with people who are feeling doubt and just being like, let's talk about that doubt. I could see, you know, Hillary Clinton got more votes than Donald Trump. It's not like Donald Trump won in a landslide. It only takes a pretty small margin of people to shift one way or the other to change the outcome in the November election. Yep. I, I mean, uh, totally. And I guess my question to you is, should I be beating a drum? Is that what I just, I find that beating drum stuff I, to have as much negative consequence as positive sometimes if done, if done, um, the wrong way. Like, I think I'm going like, to give a different answer here than normal. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Which is normally what I would say is at this point, everyone's made up their mind. Like you're not, you're not going to convince anyone of anything. Um, you know, this deep into his presidency, if you don't find this person just absolutely disgusting, you're not going to. But to the point I just said, like, I think this is different and people are changing their mind. And so what I would say if you're in the unique position to do is there are enough people out there b- banging the drum to the point of being like overly partisan and overly like I made up my mind years ago, like welcome to the team. That's a different thing versus this was the tipping point for me. And I'm just going to share that. And I could imagine that actually influencing people a lot more than what if I were to say it, which is I thought that John McCain was too conservative. Forget conservative or liberal, but I, I thought that there was too much authoritarian, anti-poor person, anti-black person going on ten years ago, and it's significantly worse now. That's not a message that I think is going to resonate with anyone who's on the fence right now. Whereas I think yours might resonate quite a bit more. Of just explaining, here's what shifted for me. Totally. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think what's really hard is, is, um, I, I see the point now much more clearly that a lot of the far, I don't want, I don't like using far left, but like the people very opposed to Trump use, but what I see happening and I've, I've had to like, I've, I've wrote tweets, replies to tweets and then deleted them like a hundred times, yeah. um, as a result of like just going, this isn't worth it. But there's so many people who are taking a really hard stance and then someone replies and engages with them and writes something about that says their opinion. I'll just give one example. Uh, this person says black lives matter on a post and let me explain my position on it. A white person who's a boomer age replies uh, and says um, all lives matter. You know, I'm not racist. I, I love my black friends. Here's what my black friend told me. Um, you know, I am, I don't like this saying and please, you know, don't take me off your list. And this, this person who originally wrote the digest that was, you know, uh, went out to this person said, you know, t- tweeted the quote and said, it's crazy how white supremacists act when, um, they don't uh, want to use their subscribe unsubscribe button or something. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you like when you call that person a white supremacist, you alienate them from any message that you were trying to tell them because it's like that's this guy clearly is not trying to be a white supremacist. He does not see himself as a white supremacist. And many and, and if you read the what he said, like calling him a white supremacist is not helpful. And, and it's like, well, why can't you just say, Hey, like, why can't, why can't there be a little bit more empathy in someone who takes the time to engage and write something like this long to disagree with you instead of just like name calling and, and just like dismissing people. So I, uh, at the same time, think that I'm going to defend them name calling and I'm going to say that's why you're in a better position than I am to actually affect something. Um, I think probably the person on the other end of that wasn't affectable. I think they probably were lost. Mm. And 
there is no conversation to be had. What what people would say, I think, about why that name calling is appropriate is, first of all, the standard that you hold a black person to is so much higher than the standard you hold a white person to because the name calling goes the other way just all the fucking time. Um, that all lives matter is a- absolutely a racist thing to say. Not not the statement itself. That I'll say this. I think all lives matter. Of course, you do too. Everybody does. But when you say it, you're not saying it absent of context. You're saying it to refute Black Lives Matter. You're saying it to distract from what's actually happening right now. And some people are probably actually don't understand that. But I think the vast majority of people who say it do. Um, I'm telling you, this guy in this particular situation was 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 not that. He he was someone who was saying, "Listen, I he doesn't he didn't get Black Lives Matter." He, I've been where he is. He didn't. He didn't get the Black Lives Matter, and I can empathize with him because I've been there. Yeah. When I, where I when I saw when I first saw Black Lives Matter, I thought it was, I thought it excluded me. I felt, um, you know that you know when you when you when you're a kid and you know everyone gets invited to the birthday party, and you don't, and how that makes you feel, you immediately mm-hmm. go towards like I disagree, right? Like, so this is wrong, and that's what's happening with a lot of people. Um, in reaction to the Black Lives Matter thing, they don't get it, right? Like they don't, and it, and, and so they say all lives matter, and they they actually I think intend their intentions isn't to be obstinate. It's 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 to it's to further the conversation and it's to have a conversation. But but what you said that person said was they're like take me off your list. I mean th- they were not saying this to have a conversation. I don't. It doesn't sound like that's fair. That's fair. Um, take me off the list thing was was unnecessary. But my my uh, flying up a little higher on this one out of the out of this particular situation. I ju- I just think that there are a lot of people out there who say all lives matter who aren't necessarily don't get what 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 is meant by Black Lives Matter and don't get what they are saying and therefore should not be labeled white supremacists. They should be labeled um, ignorant. Um, but they like, like, okay. I think calling someone like a white supremacist is like, I see a lot of that. I see a lot of labeling right now based on someone trying to engage in conversation um, semi-thoughtfully with some emotion maybe. But like when you go to name calling, it's like the conversation ends. So I've got two thoughts on that. One is um, Black Lives Matter started after Michael Brown was murdered here in St. Louis. And there were the, what's going on now in every single city in the country happened in St. Louis back in, I think it was 2014. That's when that phrase started. And the conversation's been happening since then. And you're probably right. There are still some people, and it sounds like you were one of them like until somewhat recently that had not dived into it. But you can understand the frustration of someone for whom this is a life or death issue being like, I've been trying to explain this to people for fucking six years this has been a term with tons of information out there, very easy to find, a major nonprofit, movements in every city. How long do we have to keep having a civil discussion while police are killing us before we're allowed to say, no, I'm done having that discussion at this point? Um, as, as many times as it takes, because that's what good leadership is. And I don't, this, I don't agree. But, but, See, this is where we're really going to yeah, disagree. And, and this is, and th- I think like the same things that I have a problem with Trump on, I'm seeing people on the other like spectrum politically um, and people who, who are, who are trying to make a good point fall down on like, it's not okay to, to like, so Martin Luther King didn't do this stuff. He absolutely did. This is a, okay. such a misconception about Martin okay, Luther go ahead, King, but go ahead. let me dive into that in just a okay. second. Cause there was one other point about the other thing I wanted to make. I think I agree with you. Labeling someone a white supremacist is probably counterproductive in one way or another. Unless term- they are. Unless they are, that's true. Um, I actually, this is a very, very minor change of language, but referring to white supremacy instead of white supremacists, I think is a much better way to do it. And this is something that I, my mind has shifted quite a bit recently on, is the understanding that like, you are not a white supremacist, I am not a white supremacist, but we both, A, live in a system of white supremacy and B, benefit from white supremacy. And I think that's a way to acknowledge what's happening, say it out loud, confront the problem without accusing individual people. Because the, the, the reality is this is totally systemic. And even if tomorrow we woke up and nobody was racist, we would still get racist outcomes because all the systems and institutions are built on white supremacy. So just 
my take is I think you can say strong things like that, but by by addressing the system rather than the people, I think the the message is a little more clear. Totally. Yeah, I agree with you. So, okay, coming into this, I knew there was one thing that we were going to almost certainly disagree on. Um, we just talked about one version of it. I'm going to I'm just going to dive right into the even more contentious thing, which is I don't think I condemn the violence and the rioting in the way that you do. Katie, before we go here, uh, I want to go here, but you mentioned Martin Luther King um, mm-hmm. wasn't um, had some leadership bad leadership moments and i i would be interested no no, no. i I did not say that i said he had good leadership moments that resulted in violence and rioting and okay i'm not but but was he encouraging violence so i actually just today on twitter saw someone retweet a a picture of a political cartoonist from you know the 60s when martin luther king jr was doing his thing that said uh, i forget what but it, it basically was accusing him of starting all the riots Mm-hmm. Um, he was not participating in riots. He was not rioting, but he was the leader of a movement that, I mean, I, my under, I'm, I'm not a great student of history and I'm still, I'm, you know, I'm reading about a lot of this stuff for the first time right now, but my understanding is it was very similar to now where there's a peaceful protest and then that leads to a riot. And he, you know, his most famous quote about this is that riot is the language of the unheard. Uh, riots are the language of the unheard. Like he did not condemn rioting. He didn't promote it, though. I think he kind of said that he, he did not um, instigate it, but I think he arguably defended it. Like he, we, he defended, we have a very whitewashed version of Martin Luther King Jr. today that cherry picks the things that are agreeable. He was pretty anti-capitalist. He was he was like much more radical than people think. Now, I think that's my understanding of one, one, one takeaway I have from this conversation is I want to read more about him. Um, I've watched uh, some videos, some interviews with him, and I'm just I'm massively impressed by his composure and word choice rhetoric. Um, you know, again, this isn't about policy necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's about mm-hmm. leadership um, and, and what people I look at. I look I look at Martin Luther King and, and the stuff that I've researched so far and I go, man, I wish I wish that's the type of leader regardless of policy that we need to model um, yeah. for, for, for the human race. And um, so anyway, I'm going to, I will look into more Martin Luther King stuff and I'll report back with what I've learned. I also need to, I should like disclaim all this with, I I'm, I'm just the worst type of person here where everything I know is like from a, you know, little snippet on Twitter where I should actually read like a real book <laughs> or something about this. But um, sorry, you were going to go into the rioting and whether you, are you, were you going to the place of supporting rioting? And... Uh, n- no, not exactly, but okay. more than you're going to want me to, okay, which is t- to say, so first of all, I think that there's there's violence going on from, I would say, three type, three groups of people. One is police and in, in a terrifying turn of events now military and like our actual American cities. Um, there's that group. There's people who are peaceful protesters who... For one reason or another, which I'll get into in a second, it turns violent. Like the, all the protests start peaceful and some of them turn violent. And then there's, I think that's actually a pretty small group of people. And then probably much bigger is the opportunists who are like, you know how when a city sports team wins a championship, people riot? You can just tell. I've thought this like years ago, way before this. That there's just a subset of people that are just like, I will use any fucking excuse I can get to burn, set a car on fire. Like I just can't wait, you know? And whether it's winning a sports championship or a political protest, those people are coming out and breaking windows and setting shit on fire. So I'm talking about that second group, which I think is the small minority. I think they make up a very small minority of the number of violent people right now are these protesters, but there are some. I would just like to quickly, I agree completely with those classifications and I would just re- like just label them as first as government representatives, employees of the government mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that are acting on behalf of like law and order um, the second are the peaceful protesters and the third are opportunity. Like let's just call them people who are taking advantage. Let's call them protesters, not peaceful protesters. Cause the kind of what I'm saying is some of them aren't peaceful. I don't like the word protester in this case, because I don't know that they actually ha- are protesting anything. Some of them I think are just out there to 
get the adrenaline rush of breaking a window. Right, right. So there's this, the second and third categories. I'm going to call the second one is so there's a separate a fourth group which is peaceful protesters. I'm talking about the non-peaceful ah, protesters. Ah, okay. Okay. So there's peaceful um, protesters and there's peaceful uh military uh you know law and order people. Mm-hmm. Uh and then there's the bad act. Let's call them the violent the violent I'm going to call them bad actors. We'll call them the these are the violent groups. There are three violent groups. There there are Peace, inten- people who intended to peacefully protest but got pushed to the edge for whatever reason. Opportunistic people, and then uh, government, government, law and order yeah. people. Yeah, right. Okay, I'm good. So the argument I'm going to give here is that so the the super super common thing to say if you're, I'd say in the main the mainstream right now is more on the side of the protesters than the police. Keep everything peaceful. Be polite. You know, be you know, be civil about this. But but go protest because obviously the murder of George Floyd was wrong. That do you agree? That's more or less the mainstream opinion right now. Sure. What I'm going to say basically is that like I'm not going to go out and break windows, and I'm not. I wouldn't incite that, but I 100% understand it from the violent protesters, not from the just chaotic people who who want to do that. And that I would actually say that this country glorifies that in an intelligent way, and that if if we could draw comparisons to history here, I think we would find that this is actually a totally totally reasonable response. And again, I'm I'm not a great student of history, but the Revolutionary War was a, an instance of a government was oppressing a group of people, and I would argue oppressing it probably not as bad as. Th- Police are currently oppressing black Americans. And what happened? First of all, one of the most famous events that led to the Revolutionary War is the Boston Tea Party, which if you were using like the New York Times terminology, you'd be like destruction of property, broken windows. That's what it was, right? That's exactly what the Boston Tea Party was. And then it led to literal war, like pulling out guns and shooting the other side. And we look back at that as this huge achievement of you know, the people the, on the side of justice fighting back against tyrants. And to say that the only way, like th- there is very clear injustice in this country, and I would hope it would never require violence. But after decades of, of either no change or change happening way too slowly, I, at some, if, if I were black, I, what else do you, like nothing else is working. I'm going to go burn a fucking building down. Why not? I can totally empathize i can't totally empathize but i can totally understand that logic and it doesn't make it right um it doesn't make it and from the research the revolutionary war right though um i would say the revolutionary war wasn't right or wrong it was a war but the boston tea party could have been you could argue was wrong um there probably wasn't there could have been a more effective way to peacefully protest um I, I I wasn't there. I don't know. But, but but looking back, are you like, oh no, those tea bags were wasted. Oh, I can't believe the property damage. Like, do we care? No, but but if I but but if I was if those were my tea bags, I would feel like, I mean, why'd you do that? That was wrong. Like that. But if you're an oppressed person whose life is threatened by the government, you'll be like, I don't give a shit about your tea bags. <laughs> I total I totally understand how the person that's being oppressed could feel that way. Um, I I. I don't feel oppressed, so I don't. I don't really fully empathize with it, but I can understand the logic. And I've I've studied enough about how human emotions work for my own benefit that, like, at some point you just fucking lose your mind. Like, enough's enough. Um, people lose tempers, and you know, I, you know, especially at that level, like, I get it. Um, the 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 research I've done, and I'm still early in this, suggests that though. That, that actual violent response, similarly to like when you're in a leadership position at a company and you lose your temper, um, you know, and you get excited, um, it actually uh, isn't as effective based on the research um, as, you know, keeping your cool. Um, it doesn't make it necessarily um, less understandable that you lost your temper, but it's, it, it is typically less effective. And the research suggests that that's true with protesting as well. So I absolutely get this in the leadership standpoint, but an obvious difference here is if you're in a leadership position, you're empowered to get the outcome you need. So I'm interested in the research you've done. Like what, like, can you give specific examples here of, I'm sure there are examples of peaceful protests working, 
But can you give examples of peaceful protests like like not working because there there have been peaceful protests for the last 70 years and they didn't work. And they, again, in, in 2014, like this was like the street I live on right now was where the riots were happening. It's where like the police kettled everybody three blocks from here. One of someone I work with got arrested. Like it happened and they were peaceful. There was, there was, when I say riots, like there was not anything bad going on there and the police just attacked citizens here in St. Louis. And that was six years ago. How long does it have to not work before you say, well, something else has to be our strategy here? I like what you said best. Um, you know, what, what did, what did uh, you quoted or paraphrased Martin Luther King when he said, riot is the voice of the unheard? Yeah, and his next line is uh, something along the lines of, you should consider what it is you're not hearing. Or something like that. I, I think that that's what this means, and I and I like, yeah, I agree with, I agree with that statement. It just is. Yeah. So anyway, I again, I I want to be clear. I'm not saying like let's go out and start burning buildings, but I do. Th- I, I wish more of a distinction were drawn between the the people who enjoy the chaos versus the people who legitimately don't know what else to do and feel oppressed. And I wish that more effort were put into understanding rather than condemning the the type of violence that's coming out of the people who are being oppressed. Totally. And uh, I, 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 yeah, I totally get it. I agree. Hmm. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was, I was getting ready for a nice debate. Uh, there. <laughs> All right. No, yeah, I, I, uh, I, you know, I, I have a friend uh, who, who's, husband is a police officer here in Utah. Um, they are, they are of Mexican descent. So not black, not white. They refer to themselves as Brown, um, uh, in conversation, but you know, Utah, you know, from, from this particular person's perspective is, you know, much better, I guess, than other States, uh, in terms of having, let's just call it less of a police brutality problem, but it's not immune um, and it's, it, and so anyway, he, this, their, their, their perspective on this was interesting because, um, I think you, you know, just like you can have empathy for the people who are lashing out in violence, there's an argument that a police officer who is st- standing there with someone, you know, screaming obscenities in his face or her face and loses their, their mind for a moment. There's some, there's some understanding there too, because they're being that police officer potentially is being put in a situation where they can't win. And, uh, so I, 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 every time I, I agree on, on one side of this issue and there's multiple sides, I look at another situation where it's like, yeah, there's some empathy that could go there too. And some understanding that could go there too. Yeah. But this is something I've never understood about, Forget police for a second. Let's talk about military. Um, there, the the way this has been politicized in America is there's like, you know, kind of the conservative pro military group, and then the liberal, like, not that I actually think liberals are anti military, but they're portrayed that way. How is wanting to send troops to war pro military? Like, how is that liking the troops? So putting the police in the position where they have to do that is the reason they have to do that. Like I I hear what you're saying and I feel bad for them as individuals, but if you look at it as a system, the, if you want to paint police as a victim, they're the same perpetrators are making them the victims as are making black Americans, the victims, not, it's not the black Americans that are making police, the victims here. Right. Yeah, so I'm glad you said individually. I think at the end of the day, this it all comes back to individual empathy. Um, if you get focused too much on the on the systems, you can say that they're wrong 100 percent of the time, um, and not if you can't get down to the individual person's level, you can't really have empathy and, and understanding because that's where it comes from. Is feeling empathy is feeling what another person feels like you're in their shoes, um, and so I I agree. Um, but when you fly up to the systems, it's like none of this like. None of this works well. Um, I had a thought and I want to go to it, uh, but I lost it while I was talking. Okay, systems. So can can you explain to me, I I have seen this ACAB, A-C-A-B, all cops are bastards 
uh, acronym in the March. Uh, it's mostly on Twitter and, and via CNN and Fox News and all this stuff that mm-hmm. that uh, they're holding up ACAB. They're graffitiing ACAB. And I just like when you say all cops are bastards, like what? Why? How can you say something like that? Like, can I propose that? I, I hate being a conspiracy theorist here, but the world's so fucked up right now, it's like more easy yeah. to buy into. I had not heard of that acronym until I saw you tweet about it. And I am in a much, much more progressive Twitter ecosystem than you are, I think. Of I'm I'd say half the people I follow think the police should be abolished. There should be no police, which I don't honestly don't even know what the alternative is. But uh I had not seen that acronym. A part of me wonders if this is like there are a lot of people who are trying to create conflict. And I think it's possible that the people who are using that acronym are more in that camp than genuine like people who are trying to fix the problem. I've seen enough of it like in just the coverage walking with the groups, peaceful protesters. Uh, and maybe it's just media singling those particular signs out that but I'm seeing it enough and I'm assuming other people are seeing it enough. And I don't see anyone talking about how that's that's not okay or that's different than BLM, Black Lives Matter, and that that worries me a little bit. Is like, it is why why are why are Black Lives Matter leaders allowing uh, people to hitch a ride with slogans and and honestly like words that potentially you know, minimize the impact of the BL movement itself. And no one's saying anything. Like I, like you said, you, you hadn't heard about it until I tweeted about it, but like I've been, I, I saw it enough to where it's like, okay, I see seeing this thing. Why is this, why are people, why is this being promoted without anyone saying it's bad? It's like not okay. Yeah. I guess I can't really comment on it since I, again, I only know about it through you. So I don't know, but I, I guess I, one thing I'll say is I, again, I don't, I, you take any group of people and say they're all good or all bad, you're going to be wrong. But, um, there is a one way in which this is different from black lives matters is words like that are much less harmful when directed at people in a position of power than at people who are marginalized. That doesn't make it a correct thing to say, but it potentially makes it a less harmful thing to say, because like the reality is police officers are not in danger in the same way. Totally. I, I, I still like black lives matter. doesn't say white people are bastards, right? Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Like, They're I, totally like, different statements. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I just want to be it's very clear. They're very different. And uh, anyway, I denounce a, a cab. Um, and I, I think more people need to step up and, and make it clear that they denounce it too. Cause right now it's unclear. There's a lot of silence t- from my perspective on those four acronyms. If no one's talking about it, Those isn't that a good thing though? Like that suggests to me it's not actually not, influencing anything. Not, not when, uh, let's just say, I don't, this isn't true, but like my my little brother sees it on TV, researches it, and no one's, the only message out there is the message and no one's saying this is ridiculous. Yeah, I have a problem with it. I guess so. But like if every bad idea has to, now it's the leaders of Black Lives Matter to go against every bad idea that's out there. I don't know. It's 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 a hell of a burden to put on someone. There's probably a million hashtags out there that are bad. I think to be f- for something um, requires you to clarify what you're for. And when 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 people are trying to muddy your message for ba- good or bad intention, um, the, the good leadership is hey, like ju- saying what you are is 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 it's you know it's kind of like positioning in business. It's much mm-hmm. more effective to talk about what you're not. But have you looked at this? Have you have you gone on the Black Lives Matter website and and seen what their position is? Uh, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen. I can't find anything on ACAP. I can't find anything. Right, but I, they can say like I, I've I have sit, read their website and stuff, and I think they're pretty clear about what their message is here. Um, I I don't think it's their job to respond to some random every random hashtag that's out there. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting when. Uh, some when, when there are people marching with you with BLM signs, and then you know, there's another group marching with you with ACAB signs, and you're standing in front of cops together, your message gets muddied. Regardless of what's on your website, the cop the cop on on the other end isn't seeing uh, the 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 
the the website at that time. He's seeing the the, pro- the propaganda that the crowd's holding, and just like I'm, I love seeing more and more, uh, le- you know, peaceful protesters stop, you know, s- exposing the the prop the, the the white people or of any color people doing damage and and trying to stop you know public property damage or or looting. I think like I, I'm surprised that. There, there isn't, I haven't seen anyone say, Hey, like this sign right here, not okay. Get away from us. Like, stop. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's something that bothered me. I was like, I don't understand why, why that doesn't happen. But you know, it's the same thing. It's like, I don't understand why, why a lot of things are happening with this, with this particular situation. Yeah. Anyway, I, since I'd never heard about this, I just pulled up the Wikipedia page. Interestingly, one thing it does say, and I, this is a level of nuance that I do not expect anyone to appreciate, which, so I'm not disagreeing with you exactly, but one thing is it says the term is referring to police as the institution, not police officers, which is is the Black Lives Matter message, sort of, which is like, isn't it funny that there's not a single city in this entire country where this isn't a major problem? <laughs> but probably not a great acronym i agree yeah yep okay um you got another card here yeah so i want to talk about police for a second so i i have a question for you and i it i if you don't feel comfortable answering it you don't have to but i'll answer it honestly and uh i'll have to like there's some personal things i probably can't share as a result of like just private stuff for my fam, like just how I was raised and, and the places where I raised the people that I don't want to offend. Um, but I want to know when you see the police, when you're driving or when you're uh, hanging out with your buddies, do you, or when you were at WashU, you know, when, when you're just going about your day and a, you see a police officer, do you feel safe? Do you feel scared? Or do you sort of have this ambivalent feeling that you're just around another person? Um, until 2014, I felt safe. I was aware that police brutality existed. I was never worried that it would target me. Uh, and I, I even wasn't really worried that it would ever be around me. Um, and then Ferguson happened. Two things happened as one is I was very close to me, but, and, and like a lot of people I know were in those protests and were tear gassed and stuff like that. The other thing is like, and this is even worse now, so many videos show this is not one or two cops. This is like there are like I saw a thread of 160 videos earlier today of cops gleefully beating people up. Um, Now I will say I'm I wouldn't say I'm scared, but I'm cautious. I uh, for example, if I'm on the metro and a cop gets on the metro car, I pull my phone out and get ready to videotape something. I've only had to do it once before. But, you know, I, I pay attention. Um, that, that wasn't true 10 years ago. And it sounds like what things that you've witnessed personally has, have changed that for you, not like a personal experience you've had. It's mostly what I've seen on TV and like recordings of things. But because of those, I am more aware where now I'm on the Metro and like when the police are you know, finding out someone does not, did not pay their fare, which is like, it's a ticketable offense. It's not like they you know committed, committed a felony here in the past. I probably would have given the police the benefit of the doubt and said, they're being so aggressive with this person that this person must've said something, or maybe there's a history here or something. Whereas now I tend to give the benefit of that doubt the other way. So I've, I've seen more things through a different lens since I saw the stuff on TV. Yeah. So you're more aware. Um, so yeah, um, that's interesting. Um, I think you're the first person I've asked that question that that went from feeling safe to feeling um, not safe, like, but maybe not scared. Um, yeah, I'm not. It's mostly I think I don't think I would be the direct target of it, but I do think some like I think that police escalate violence and violence around me makes me unsafe, even if I'm not the person they're escalating against. Cool, cool. So um, I I don't have a good I haven't. I can't explain this, but I cannot remember a time where I saw a cop and I felt safe. In fact, I, I can't remember a time where I saw a cop and didn't feel this rush of adrenaline and f- fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why that is, but like, I can remember when I was 13, I can remember when I was 15, I can remember when I was 20. I remember, <laughs> I remember being a, a Duke kid during the lacrosse scandal 
and uh, you know being really scared uh, hmm. and in a, in a mostly black uh, you know community in Durham, North Carolina. Um, and I, uh, I actually am coming, this is, it's interesting. Like I've, I've always just had that, that fear reaction and I don't, this isn't doing anything. This is just more validating it, I guess. I just, you don't, I don't see, you see these cop police car. It's like not this thing of like, Oh, I feel, I'm so glad this person's here. I'm just like, Oh God. Yeah. Like, law and order has come to the neighborhood. Yeah. Thank God. yeah. And I don't know what I, I wonder how many people feel that way. And I, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but I can't imagine it any other way. That's, that is very interesting. Although I wonder how much of it is that you like, part of this might be that you always feel safe. And so there's nowhere to go, but down sort of like the cop didn't need to protect you in any way. So you didn't need their presence for that reason. I wonder if you were a woman who's more likely to get sexually harassed or if we lived it, like there have been times and places in, in this country that have been a lot less orderly than I think most of the country is right now where you might be more likely to get mugged or something like that. I, I wonder, do you think that might change if you're in, like, if you felt less safe generally? That's interesting. It, it is interesting to say that maybe I associate um, a lack of safety with the presence of cops and therefore like, because I'm normally feel safe that when they, when, when I see cops, it's it somehow associated with a lack of safety. It has the opposite effect. It's kind of like when you're doing a really good job at something and someone keeps telling you you're doing a really good job. It's like, wait, mm-hmm. am I not doing a really good job? Like, start questioning <laughs> things. So maybe that's what it is. Um, but I, I, I think like part of where I'm coming from with this is uh, I am, I'm starting to realize that maybe I need to have a little bit more, like, I maybe some, I don't, maybe I need to think about that more. And um, I, I don't, uh, I can't imagine. Like, I guess I can't imagine what it would be like if, um, if. Uh, if I were African American, um, and, uh, you know, didn't have sort of the, the privilege that comes with being white and it would be less of a feeling and more of a, a real, uh, like obstacle in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, uh, kind of like observed a moment that gave me a little snapshot into this. Um, not maybe related to police so much, but we went on a company float trip, which is out in rural Missouri. St. Louis is a, uh, I don't want to say majority, but it's about 50% black city and it's a very liberal city. And the state of Missouri is overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly conservative. And we were on this float trip and there was an intern who was black talking to a full-timer who's black saying like, aren't you nervous being out here right now? And the full-timer basically said, don't worry, we're surrounded by white people. Like everyone else at this company is here, so you're safe. But like the implication was you'd never come here if not in the presence of 15 white people, which seeing that was like, whoa. Yep. Yep. And yeah, I guess, um, have you, uh, how far, this is a very personal question. Um, how far are you away from racism in terms of degrees of connection uh can you do you mean like do i know people who have been the victims of racism how far away are you from from racists in terms of oh racists yeah okay uh first first degree second degree i mean only first degree and that like i have some extended family who like have confederate flags on their lawn and stuff like that but i you know, I see them once every 10 years and we're just like, like they, they know I'm not on their team and I know they're not on my team and it's that that's what it is. Uh, I don't think I like day to day interact with anyone I know to be, but this is one of the benefits of running your own company is it's like, I would not, I would not spend time at work certainly with someone like that. Um, and I, I can choose who my friends are. So it's really just family. Yeah. I, I didn't ask friends, family, anything like that. I just meant connection. Like, do you know people who are racist and you, and you know, and you, the answer is yes. And I do too. Yeah. And I think if any single person who asks themselves that question does too, which means oh, racism yeah. Oh, yeah, exists sure. in America right now. And like, did not like suggesting that it doesn't is insane. Are people suggesting that it doesn't? Oh gosh. I mean, there are people out there who suggest that it doesn't. <laughs> 
Yes, there are. One of the things that I've, I, I don't know, like since your, your mindset's been moving a little bit here, have you been kind of paying attention to the difference between not being racist and being anti-racist? Like, is that terminology something on your radar? It makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I, I, I think I'm, I would say that most of what I've experienced is, is in the not category, meaning I'm silent on it, but I'm, I'm not participatory. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I, I'm seeing that the knee, I, I think that's the interesting, um, most of my, uh, my change so far has been around leadership, like being, needing to be anti someone because of moral modeling and leadership. Um, but yeah, I guess like I haven't really thought much about the anti-racism, um, but I do, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I have shifted on that too. Um, I, yeah, I, I would say that I've been, I've been very careful in my life not to take polit- po- political, um, stances on things. I have, ne- I really have had a problem for standing up being anti for certain things like in day to day and my connections, but in terms of like movements, I would say, I mean, anti-group health insurance. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but, uh, you know, in terms of anti-racism, like I, there's a buddy of mine, uh, gosh, I can't tell stories because it's not fair. And people will know who I'm talking about. There's a situation at some point where one of my teammates got singled out for being black by the coach. I was in high school it was at halftime that person did not play the rest of the game. He left. He was so upset by it. I laughed at the joke that the coach made. Do I think the coach intended to hurt his feelings? No, but I, I was not anti what the coach said at the time. Yeah. Today, if I could, like I was thinking about this the other day, if I could go back and replay that moment, I wouldn't have played the second half too. And I, um, so that I guess, yeah, I am moving more uh, in race in the racism thing to the stance of anti, just like I am uh, moving to the stance of anti bad leadership for president. That's great. Yeah, I, I I have similar, maybe not quite as dramatic, but similar moments where you look back and you're like, yeah, I didn't handle that right at the time. Yeah, but I guess all we can do is try and handle it right next time it comes up. <laughs> Totally. Uh, so yeah, in that regard, I think, um, yeah, that's positive change. Are you anti, have you been anti? I, so I think the, you can be a certain way without intention, which Mm -hmm. is maybe slightly different from being that way with intention. And I would say I, looking back, if I were to critique myself, I'd say for the last five ish years, I was prior to that, I was probably neutral, right? Like I was, no one's really not racist. Like we all grew up in this racist system when we have bias in our heads. And I, when I say I'm not racist, I don't mean that like you and I are both racist in that way. Right. But I think I was thinking the right things, but I wasn't necessarily anti until maybe five years ago or so. But now is when the term is something that's really connecting with me that the way I interpret it, meaning again, what I said earlier, if if everyone wakes up tomorrow and there's not a single racist left in the world, there will still be racist outcomes. And so if we don't actively work against it, it w- we'll never really have equality and justice. So I think that's that's what really is connected with me recently. And I'm going to try and be more deliberate about living my life with that understanding. Is there anything else you want to cover today? I I, I don't want to give advice to people on this topic personally. Um, I just hope that if, if someone did listen to this and this, you know, uh, and, and got benefit from it, that they they figure out what to do next. Um, I, I hesitate. I only know that like, it's been helpful for me to sort of get, get here how I got here. Um, but it's a journey that's unique. So, um, do you have any suggestions? No, I'm, I mean, I'm exactly like you. The reason I'm still hesitant on should we publish this at all is like, I, I think, I hope you got something out of this. I got a lot out of this conversation, but I don't think what the world needs right now is for us to tell other people what they should be thinking or doing. So, uh, no, I don't think I have anything else to say. <laughs> cool. Did you have any other topics that we didn't cover? No, I don't think so. Dude, I really value being able to talk about sensitive stuff like this with you, have some areas of disagreement and, uh, you know, be able to have a friendship with you still after that. Um, <laughs> Same. And uh, yeah, so. I, I, I admire the hell out of you for, I mean, I mean, we both, I think, started in very similar places. And I think I was forced 
on this path a little earlier than you were, but um, I, if I were in your shoes right now, there's no way in hell I'd be having this conversation, even if we don't share it with anyone. Um, I, I appreciate your openness to kind of evolve on this stuff. And I, I'm also evolving on this stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful that I'm able to, like, I, I, you know, there's probably a time, uh, where I was less open to changing my mind on things. Um, and I hope I continue to get more, uh, open to change. I think that's was, I think that's wise. Yeah, it's, it's, this is one of the most encouraging thing, like things I've seen in the last week is like, it, I know you're just one person, but like, if we'd had this conversation a year ago, it would have been different. We could still have it. And like, we still would be friends afterwards, but I think we would have disagreed on a lot more stuff. And the fact that what's happened recently has changed one person's outlook on it is, it must've changed more than one. I think it has too. I can't wait to see that come through um, the media and uh, social media. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, I have two favors to ask. First, please write a review on the podcast app of your choice because reviews play a huge part in helping other people discover useful podcasts. Second, if you know any founders or aspiring founders of independent startups, please tell them about Startup to Last. And if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week, Tyler. See ya.